newcomers. Uh, it's, a, it's a blessing. Yeah, if you guys, or then you guys can kind of move over here if you want. Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's do that. So people on the side, let's move over. Yeah, move to the middle so that I, I can kind of focus my eyes on just the people here. You guys can move over there. It's a lot, a lot easier for me. Um, yeah, like I said, my name is Caleb. Uh, I grew up in L.A. For those of you guys who don't know, um, moved out here. And we've been pastoring here for about seven years now. We helped start the church in 2012. And we've been kind of going strong, um, building up this community. Um, I, I've been on a sermon series in the book of Ephesians. For those of you guys that have been with us, we're at the halfway mark, right? Uh, I think I preached about six sermons up till now, six or five. <laughs> I kind of lost count, but when you look at, I talked about it last week. When you look at the book of Ephesians, it's broken up into six books. It's like really just like very eloquently. It's like a, if you read it and if you keep reading it, it really is a beautiful book. Who, who's a writer here? Who, who loves writing essays? Anybody? Anybody loves writing essays? I, I personally hated writing essays, right? I sucked at essays, right? So any essay questions, I'd be like, uh, I don't know, you know, like, even though I know, I just can't write, right? But then, like, for those, like, people that are really good communicators with the word, like, written word, um, it's really beautiful when something is, like, organized and framed in a way that's really, like, it, it really, like, speaks to you. When you read a good book, it's not, like, all over the place. Uh, sometimes a book is all over the place, but then at the end you realize, oh, it was all, like, actually all over the place, but it actually was organized and thought in this way, right? But there's order to writing, um, there's like synergy and there's like this way of like, you know, you produce words and you're able to like, like get people to really come on board and, 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 and be like on, on fire for things. And this is what Paul, this is, I, I believe that, like I talked about it last week, if, if uh, Paul had a, a doctorate degree, this would be like his doctorate like thesis, right? This is like the, the written work that he would write to just basically say, okay, this is, because when you look at all of his epistles, right, and you look at all of the different themes, um, there's all these, like, books that he writes to correct people, like the Corinthians about, like, you know, following false teachers and about sexual immorality and all these things, and Galatians about, like, you know, legalism. When you take all of these writings, like the Romans, it's, like, all filled with doctrine and thought because, you know, Romans, they really, they were thinkers. So, like, when you, when you add all of this together and you kind of bring it, all of his writings into... Um, just the, the most, like, eloquent book would be Ephesians, right? I really love this book. It, it is uh, my favorite of, one of my favorite. I also love, really, really love Philippians as well. But um, it is one of my favorite books that, um, letters that Paul written. Now, up to this point, um, you know, it's broken up into six chapters. And then first three chapters is everything that's been done for us, right? Talks about all of the things that has been done for us. We've done nothing. We're, we're not the focus of one through three. Right, chapters one through three is all of what God done, what God has done, and then the next three chapters is all of the things that we need to do. Right? And it really is is it's the order. Up to this point, we're talking about like blessed to like blessed with every spiritual blessing, right? That's all what God does for us. We're chosen, we're predestined, we're given the power of the Holy Spirit, we're made alive in Christ through reconciliation, we're saved by amazing grace, right? To save through faith in Christ alone. Right? For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of your works, but this is a gift of God. Right? It, it's reconciled to each other. Um, we have been revealed this amazing mystery of Christ. We talked about it last week. Uh, Paul talks about the mystery of Christ, right? You know, you guys like a, like a good mystery. You guys, who likes the show Sherlock, right? 
hands down, one of my favorite mystery shows, right? I love that show. I love it because there's like a mystery, right? It's like you don't know what happened. You think it's this guy. But, you know, Paul's saying that God has been writing a mystery since the beginning. Ever since Adam and Eve ate that fruit and they sinned and they got kicked out of the Garden of Eden, he's saying that, like, God has been writing this mystery from the beginning. And then it, it went through Abraham. And, like, Abraham is like, God goes to Abraham. He's like, Abraham, I choose you. He's like, oh, why? You know, like, saying, I'm going to make you a... Like, through you, like, I'm going to bless everybody, right? And he's like, oh, okay. He just does. He, he's a man of faith. He just does what God tells him to do, right? And then the, the Israelites are created. They become this great nation in Egypt, and they become slaves, 12 tribes. And then they, like, all comes down to this one moment of Jesus, where Jesus comes, and he dies on the cross, the Son of God. And then he says the mystery of Christ is revealed in, in the church. Jesus Christ died on the cross for who? The church, right? And he's saying it's the manifold wisdom of God. It's like the manifold is like many different like aspects to it. It's like all of these things that God has been planning. It's like this mystery, mystery of God comes down to the, the manifold wisdom, the mystery, the manifold wisdom of God that is in the church. And so all of these things are things that are done for us. And then the church is supposed to be assigned to the demonic spiritual powers that goes out, that comes against God and 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 and. and and Jesus and all of the things about God, right? So it's like a revelation to all of the demonic realm, right? But then what what, what do we do in that? Nothing, right? It's all been done for us. Who's the victorious one, right? It's Jesus. Jesus did everything, right? So now, once again, Paul, he's saying that for this reason, right? We, we read it earlier. It says, for this reason, and he said that at the beginning of chapter 3. He also said, for this reason, and he goes on this, like, digression about the mystery and what I talked about just now. Um... He says, for this reason, right? And then what is the reason that Paul is talking about? He's like, for this, what, why? What is the reason? And the reason is all of the things that have been done for us. He's actually talking about our identity. He's talking about all of the things that have been, has been done for us, who we are in Christ. In Christ is written like a bunch of times. I think it's like over 100 times throughout the, 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 the books of, 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 of Paul. And it's always talking about in Christ, in him, with him, through him. And so he's talking about, like, it says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, right? So even the things that we do is not about us. It's about what we are in Christ, right? So he's talking about identity. And the crazy thing is, our identity in Christ has nothing to do with us and what we do. Our identity comes from what he has done for us. Now, the world looks at our identity based on what we do, what's your job. In Korea, it's easy. I'm an English teacher, right? right? But in America, it's very different. In America, what's your job? I'm a lawyer. They're like, ooh. We went to Hong Kong, and like Hong Kong is this amazing place where it was. It's almost like like if if like because everybody sounds Asian American because they all speak English perfectly, right? And they all you know. So it's as if like like L.A. right? <laughs> There's a lot of Koreans in L.A. right? And L.A. was left to become a country on its own, right? It's like this, this island of just really high achievers, right? So, like, they're all lawyers, bankers. Um, everyone I met was a lawyer, a banker, uh, in, in, uh, in, and they have their own kind of, like, business, or they're doctors, right? I met this little guy. He literally looked like a little snowboarder with a little scratchy patch of hair on his chin. He looked like he was 21. He had his, like, like his colorful, you know, like the hat. You know, like the, the hat that you're wearing right there, but it's all colorful. He had, like, a baggy shirt, right? And he looked like, yeah, yeah. I was like, hey, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm an ophthalmologist. And I was like, is that the surgical side? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, 
people trust you with your eyes, man. You look like you're 12, dude. I will not. He's like, that's why you can't go into private practice. He's like, I, nobody would trust me in private practice. He has to be a doctor, right? Why did I start this? Because identity, right? The world, everything is based on what we do, right? Especially when you go to places like in Korea, English teachers. But in America, you're like, what do you do? I'm a lawyer. Oh, what do you do? And if you say, like, oh, I'm a, I'm a janitor, it's very different, right? People treat you differently. I remember when I used to say, what do you do? I, like, oh, I, used, to, I used to be a bike messenger. I'm, like, I'm a bike messenger. And some people would be like, oh, that's cool. But then, like, the, the older people were like, like, what the heck are you doing, right? Like, Get to work. Do something right, right? It's, everything is based on identity. Every, it's based on what we do, how we dress, how we look. In Korea, it's all about how we look, right? I don't know, like girls these days, everything's getting shorter and shorter. I don't know why. Or either shorter, shorter, or longer and longer. They're wearing these, like, full-long dresses, or it's, like, mad short. There's, like, nothing in between, right? And then the guys' pants are just getting tighter and tighter, and their shorts are getting shorter and shorter, right? And it's, like, and it's all based on what you look. you got to look like that, right? you got to look this look. You gotta, you can't have, you got a hair that co- cover your forehead. I don't know what it is. Like, it's all about looks. It's all about what you do, what you have. But in the kingdom of God, it's very different. And Paul's talking about a different type of identity that is not seen in this world. And then it's an identity that's even more important. And it's amazing to know that our identity has nothing to do with what we do, or what was done for us, what was, what we are in Christ, what we are based on, what He did. The order of our identity that God wants us to have is one where we know who we are in Him first and then how we are to live knowing our identity. Right? That's, if you look at the book of Ephesians, it's like that. First three chapters, everything that's been done for us, our identity, this is you. You have nothing to do with this, but you're a son, you're adopted, you're predestined, you're reconciled, you have the power of the Holy Spirit. And then now that you know that, this is how you, and then in the next, we're going to try cover the next three chapters after, after this week. It's all about how to live, how to be a husband, how to be a wife, how to be a child, like, like you know, like how to be a minister, you know, how to be a five-fold minister, how to go out in the anointing of power. Like, it's everything about what we're doing, but we still have, first have to have this understanding of identity, what has been done for us. How we are, how, how we are. Knowing our identity and knowing it first affects what we do and how we do it. And from where we live our lives, out of the overflow. It's supposed, the things that we do, the actions that we take, it's supposed to come out of the overflow of our identity. Because if not, it's just, it's just works. And you know, works just leads to death. Right? It works. I've worked. You know, when I work, I've been like, Dude, this sucks. <laughs> Who's been working and said, oh, I like this, right? It's works. Who's ever seen the movie Annie? You know, it's a hard knock life. Or if you think that was Jay-Z that first did it, something's wrong with you, man, right? It's a a, a movie. It's it's actually a comic strip that started in the 20s. But it's a movie about a young orphan named named Little Orphan Annie who goes from being very poor, living in an orphanage uh, with this really mean woman, you know, that's in charge of the world, makes them work and do all these things, and being adopted and taken in by a rich man named Daddy Warbucks. And there's a scene when she first enters the house of Daddy Warbucks. All of the servants are lined up. Who's seen this movie, by the way? Right? All of these servants are lined up, and they're like, Annie, what do you want to do first? And she's like, hmm. She goes, first the windows, then the floors. 
She's basically saying, like, okay, I'm going to clean the windows first. I'm gonna, and she's like, no, you don't have to do any of that, right? And they're laughing. And they sing this song of like all of the things that's available for her as a, as a child of Daddy Warbuck. That you could, somebody will feed you in the morning. Someone will clean up after you. You could go to the pool. You get a shower. You could, like, we'll take care of you. If you want to play tennis, we have lessons. All these different things. All of the things that come with what did she do to earn any of this, right? Nothing. She just got chosen by Daddy Warbucks. Because Daddy Warbucks was this rich man, but he wanted to seem softer to the community. So he wanted to adopt a little girl. And the only thing that Annie did was just sit there and be like, and then he chose her, right? But then, but that, in that being chosen, everything, and, and everything was made available for her, right? And then she's like, I think I'm gonna like it here, right? Remember that song? Right? Yeah. Everything about her changed when Daddy Warbucks took her in. Her identity changed, right? Her identity changed. Who she was, right? Like, like the way that people saw her, the way that, that you know, that what was available to her. And she's no longer an orphan. At the end, she actually gets adopted by Daddy Warbucks. And she's no longer an orphan. She's a child of Daddy Warbucks. Right? She's a daughter of Daddy Warbucks, right? And we as Christians, we live like Annie sometimes. In Christ, we have a new life. We have a new identity, an inheritance, a future, a destiny that is based on the glorious riches of God. Right? You think Bill Gates is rich, right? Imagine the glorious riches of God. That is the riches and that is the glorious things that are available to us in our inheritance. The creator of all things. And yet we live a life out of our old identity. We live a life based on our flesh. We live a life based on our own understanding and our own thinking and what we can do. But Paul, in the first three chapters of Ephesians, he's talking about all of the things that come with our new identity in Christ as an adopted son of God, as a new creation, as the one, like, as part of this mysterious plan that God has. And at the end, it all boils down to this church as a, as a, as a, as a person, as a member in the body of Christ. And, and Paul says, for this reason, because you know who you are in Christ. He's writing to the Ephesians. He's writing to actually mature believers, by the way, right? Because he spent like two, three years with the Ephesians, in the trenches with them, raising up churches and raising up. He spent more time in Ephesus than any other area of his church. Like he loved Antioch. That was his home church. But when he went on his missionary journeys, the one place that he spent the longest time was in Ephesus. He talked about that. So these are mature believers. He's like, you guys know your identity. I'm just, I'm just preaching to you what you know, right? It says, for this reason, because they know who they are in Christ, he tells us what he is doing in the passage that we just read earlier. So what is he doing, right? He says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened, with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Paul prays for the saints here. He's, he's like, because I know that your identity, I'm, I'm going to pray for you. And the, the title of my sermon is a Prayer for the Saints, Part 2, because in Chapter 1, he prays for the saints as well. He says, he prayed, he says, God, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit 
of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable, immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might. He prayed in chapter 1 that they would have a spirit, right? This is not necessarily the Holy Spirit, but this is the spirit of man, right? When we, when we are saved... Holy Spirit, like spirit, our spirit comes alive, right? So that he would have a spirit or a disposition, an innate desire to know God. To know God in his wisdom, to know God in his revelation, to have our hearts enlightened, for our hearts to have a proclivity, to know and understand the hope and the glorious inheritance that we have in Christ. He wants the saints to be people that see things differently. Not based on the worldly wisdom, but in godly wisdom. Not going after the riches of this world, but the riches that we have in God, the things that we have in Christ. He prays for us to know who we are in Christ. He's like, I pray that, that you will have the spirit within you that will want to know God so much that as you know God, you will understand who you really are. And I talked about suffering last week. And as a church, there will be suffering. There will be difficulties. But when we have God's perspective, when we have the enlightened heart that Paul prayed about in the first chapter, we can see it through the eyes of the kingdom. We can see suffering in joy. Because we have this overhaul. And it, like, it's, not, it's an overhaul. It's an extreme makeover of the soul. Who's seen that show, Extreme Makeover, right? right? I saw a show earlier where they showed this house, and it looked, just looked nasty, right? It's called Extreme Makeover Home Edition. And it just looked like, like just a... Just a broke building, and then and then they come in, and they just fix it all up, and there's a big old, like, what is it? Like a, a, like a, a camper RV parked in front of it, and then they say, move that bus, and then they move the bus, and then the house looks amazing, right? And they go in, they're like, all right. But that's what happens to our, there is a actual overhaul that comes within our spirit. It's not just about thinking differently, but he's saying a transformation. He wants us there to be a transformation. A revelation, right? Having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you, that you may know what is the hope of which he has called you, of your glorious riches, inheritance in the saints. And he talked about in Romans 2, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Right? It's not like, like, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but start thinking differently. Right? Think differently or do things differently. Right? No, he's saying... Be transformed. Right? Transform is means to become something completely different. Transformers is because they go from a robot to a car, right? It's not like they go from a car to a, like a different looking car. And they be transformed, right? And be like a completely different in the way we think, in the way we process, in the way that our spirit, and that is the overhaul that happens when Christ comes to live in us. He's saying, he's talking about knowing our identity. Dude, when Jesus Christ is in you, you're different. You're not the same as you were before. And he's saying, now he gets down on his knees and he prays for the saints. He says, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. What does this mean? Well, there's a different thoughts out there, but I, I always like to go back to context. Right? I believe that when you read the Bible, you got to read it in context. And when you read right before this, at the end of chapter 2, a lot of chapter 3, he's talking about the coming together of the Jews and the Gentiles. Right? 
is coming together where for generations, right, for, for decades and for hundreds of years, right, the people of God was only who? The Jews, right? The circumcised, the snip, snip. I talked about it many times, right? But now all of a sudden, right, Gentiles come together and saying, you know what? The Gentiles, they don't need to get circumcised. They don't have to follow all of the nitty-gritties of, of the law anymore, right? But all they have to do is put their faith in Jesus Christ and they will be my children. They were children of God. And the Jews were like, what? That blew their mind, right? But that was a good number of Jews that just fell away from the faith just because of that. Right? And, but then he, that's what Paul Paul's in jail because of that. Paul's in jail because he's preaching a gospel for the Gentiles, right? right? And so so with that, he, he's been talking about this whole time. And now he says, says, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Well, I believe that he, what he's talking about, he's talking about the church. Talking about the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to all the demonic powers and rulers in the spiritual realm. Right? He's talking about, he's saying like all of the church, I'm praying, I, all of the families, all of the people, like he's talking about the church that came from the past, John the Baptist, you know, like all Elijah, you know, all the people and, and all of the saints that, that are living there at that time, and he's looking into the future of all of the churches throughout all of the generations that will come and believe and come to know Jesus Christ. This is the family of God, right? That is named, right? All of the people whose name they stand on is Jesus Christ the Lord. He, he's praying for these people. Right? Later on, he says, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So he's like, he's like, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. So he's like, this is a prayer. He's not just praying for the Ephesians. But he, he's saying this is a prayer that's going out into like, like going out into actually eternity. Right? He's saying, I'm praying this for all of the saints that will all come to know Jesus Christ. That's the church. That's the family. And Paul is praying for them. He's praying for us. He's praying for you. He's praying for the church. He's praying for New Philly Puzan. He's praying for the church that's right here that's all made out of red brick. He's praying for all of the churches Right? All families, whether you're black, white, from South Africa, from North Africa, we're from Europe, South America. You know, there's churches everywhere, by the way, right? Russia, China. We went to a church in China. There's churches everywhere, right? Australia, every continent, maybe even Antarctica. I'll bet you there's a Christian there doing some kind of research, right? Right? It doesn't matter where he's saying all family, in the name of Jesus Christ, this is going out into... Because he, he's been breaking color lines all till now, right? This context. Chapter 2 or 3, he's like breaking the color line. Right? I preached about how the church cannot hate. It doesn't matter what kind of church you are, right? That, that hostility was broken by Jesus Christ. Right? It was removed, right? Jews and Gentiles, right? Well, now it's the church and everybody else, right? Well, the church and everybody else, hostility. We can't be a church that hates, right? We can't, we can't have hate in the church, right? Whether we... They're homosexual, whether they're Muslims, whether they're this kind of Christians, whether they praise with flags, you know, or or whether they sing hymns and only hymns. That cannot be hate in the church, right? This is what he's been talking. This is the context, right? And then he's saying, this is a family. Like, all of the family that is named in heaven and in earth, he's praying for us. And, and he says, and he prays that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
This is one of my favorite passages written by Paul. And it's written, you know, he's written so many good passages, but it's one of my favorite because not only is this like great writing, right? It really like flows off your lips, but it's very important. He's sitting in prison sometime back 2,000 years ago, right? 2,000 something, and he looks into the future and he looks into the past and he's saying, I'm sitting here in prison, right? He knows that he's going to die because earlier on he's like, you know what? I'm going to go, I'm headed to Jerusalem. You know, he actually says, I'm headed to Jerusalem, and everything in my spirit tells me that I'm going to be imprisoned and killed, but then everything in my spirit tells me that I must go. He knows, in his mind, in his heart, he knows that he's going to go, and that's what happens, right? If you study, you know, like it doesn't literally say that he, he was martyred, but he was martyred, and he, he, he got his head cut off, right? So he's sitting in his prison cell, under house arrest, most likely about to die, but he says it's all good. And then this is what he prays for us. This is what he prays that we have. This is, this is what's on the heart of a man who is completely and utterly sold out for Jesus Christ and the gospel. Who is suffering. He's getting whipped. He's getting imprisoned. He's getting beaten. He's getting left for dead. You know, he's getting persecuted by the Jews. He's getting persecuted by the Gentiles. He's getting persecuted by everybody. He gets shipwrecked. You know, like he, he, he gets whipped like 40, 39 times. Like five times. Right, this is he's going, and then, but every time he picks himself up and he continues to go, right? This is this is what he is saying to us, because he knows that what he is doing is helping to give birth to the church. This is this he says this is why this is for the glory of the church, right? This is for the glory of the church. Like I like don't worry about me because what I'm doing is is producing you, right? For the glorious body of Christ that is beyond his years. It's beyond his comprehension. And in the midst of what he's doing, being persecuted for preaching the gospel, right? This is what he tells us. For, to the church throughout all generations, he's saying, I pray this for you. I get on my knees and I pray this for you. I pray that this will become reality to you. How amazing is that? How, how important are these words, right? So why, what does he pray for us? What does he want us to understand? And what does he want us to know? Number one, it's actually my main point. It says, grant you this, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Paul prays for strength. That will be, that we will be strengthened. Let's just start and talk about strength for a minute, right? Why strength? So that we can look like those bodybuilders. Is anybody in here a bodybuilder? Some, some of us, it's close, right? But you know those bodybuilders, they build themselves, they spend all that hours, right? To do what? To go mountain climbing? To go surfing? No, just to look good, right? How many of you seen one of those huge bodybuilders going mountain climbing? Or like, or like, or like surfing? Or like, no, right? But why, why is he praying for strength? So that we will look good? That we will, we will feel good? Why is he praying for strength? He prays for strength because we're going to need it. He prays for strength because the race that is set before us is not an easy one. The truth, the true life that God has called you is not a nominal one. Jesus didn't die on the cross for you to have a nominal life. To be an observer. For you to just see life pass you by. Living a nominal life for Christ is not, it's pretty easy. You can actually do it out of your own strength. 
You can actually do it out of your own understanding. And there's a lot of people out there that are living a nominal life for Christ. And there's, there's no supernatural in any of their lives. And it's okay, because they don't really need it. But Jesus died on the cross so that we deny ourselves and we pick up the cross, his, our cross daily and walk with him. Matthew 16, 24. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and, and of the holy angels. We're called to deny ourselves and pick up our cross every day and follow Jesus. We need strength for that. Here's another fact. We live in a world that is controlled by demonic powers. The ruler of this world is who? Satan, right? Doing everything they can to keep us from picking up our cross. So, so we need strength. There needs to be strength. We need to be strengthened. Truly following Jesus requires strength. But here's the thing. It's not our strength. But it's a supernatural strength that comes from the who? The Holy Spirit. And it's not a strength that empowers our flesh, but it's a strength that empowers our spirit. It empowers our spirit man. Living a life of worship, allowing our lives to affect and change others for the kingdom of God, for the gospel, living a life of integrity, living a life of character, a life of denying our flesh, picking up our cross every day and following Jesus comes from the Holy Spirit. And it affects our inner man and our inner being. He says, I pray for strength from the Holy Spirit in your inner man, inner, inner being. With... This is talking about a life where our actions and deeds doesn't come from us trying, but from inner, our inner man that has been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that place within us that, that no one knows. Right? You know, you guys have that place where no one knows. I have a place in my mind that even if my wife is sleeping right next to me, she don't know. Right? You know that place. We all have that place, right? Sometimes she, I'll, be, I'll be thinking something, and she's like, what? And I'm like, nothing. <laughs> and I'll laugh. She's like, what? Nothing. Right? It's in my inner man, right? We all have that place in our inner being, right? Where no one knows, but God knows, right? And God is there. And it's in that place within us that where no one knows, it's allowing that place to have a relationship with Jesus Christ within our innermost being, flowing out in the life that we live. The Bible talks about a heart, like Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart with all vigilance, for out of it flows the wellsprings of life. Right? Saying guard your heart because from your heart is all of the, the, the things that you're going to do, all of the decisions that you're going to make, all of the thoughts that you're going to have, all the ways that you're going to treat people, all the ways that you're going you're gonna to like, all the things you're going to buy, all the things that you're going to invest in, everything that comes from your life it actually flows out of your heart. So he's saying guard your heart. Because right? if your heart is like all like on like material things, What's going to happen to your life? It's all going to be about material things. Right? If your heart is set on lust, what's it going to be like? You're going to be like, oh, God, on lust. You're going to go and, and try to do all the, the, the lustful things out in the world, go to the club and, you know, and hook up and do all that stuff. Right? If your heart is set on like, you know, or if your heart is sad, what's your life going to look like? Your life's going to look sad. But if your heart is set on Christ, if Christ is living here, the decisions you make and the actions that you do, 
the way that you treat people is going to be like Christ. Amen? If you think that you can live your life based on your own strength and your own understanding, you will fail. The world is set against you, not succeeding for God. Not only that, Satan and all his demonic powers are set against you, not succeeding for God. Even your own flesh, Galatians 5.17 says, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to one another to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So your true nature is set against you not succeeding for God. That's why the gospel is not about trying to live a good life, about trying to be a better person, because we can't. It's, it's about being transformed by Jesus and the gospel, what he has done, the relationship that has been brought into our life because of what he has done. Walking with Jesus, truly walking with Jesus is not easy. It requires strength. Some of you leaders in here, some of you people that are really like walking for God, let me tell you, there may very well be a day in the future where you get burnt out. You know how I know? Where, where, where you get burnt out, you just want to drop everything, screw it, right? I know because it has happened to me. You know, because go, going after Jesus is going against the current. You guys seen that poster? There's that poster of all these fish. There's all these crazy-looking fish going this way, and then there's that one Christian fish going this way. It's like, go against the current, right? I had like a, I had a, a friend that was kind of a nerd, had that on his room, and I kind of laughed at him. Like that. But think about it. Our, the life that we live for Christ is one that is actually go against the current of the world. And it is hard. It's not easy. We need strength. But that strength was never meant to be our own strength. You know, when I go to Costco with Ethan, like, there's times where, like, our, the, our cart's really full, right? And then and then we get into the line, and the line moves slowly. And, and we go to Costco, and we, like, we have to feed our kids. And so we're, like, filled with, like, milk, like, you know, all this, like, frozen veggies, all this. This gets heavy, right? And I'll ask Ethan, push it. And he's like, okay. And he'll touch it. And then he'll go, Ugh! And I'll just push it a little bit with my finger, and it moves forward, right? With what happens is I know that he can't push that card on his own, right? But then it's it's all of his effort plus my strength that moves that card forward. Because he, I'm not gonna push it if he's not giving me. He's just, he's like, I'll push it, please. But he goes like this. He goes, ah! and I go, and then he goes, oh. he gets so happy. All of his effort plus all of plus my strength that moves the cart forward, and that's how our lives are to be lived: our full effort along with God's strength. We have to put in our effort. You have to put in your effort. If you think that the Christian life is not going to require effort, you're wrong. You have to put in your effort, but it's your effort plus whose strength? Your strength? No, it's God's strength. Strength with power through the Spirit in your inner being. The strength that we live our lives for Christ comes from God. Now, how do we have access to the strength that Paul's talking about? We know that the strength is available to us. How do we wield that strength? Remember in the latest Avenger movie, 
Thanos was the strongest guy. How did he wield his strength? Right? He had that glove, right? Crazy-looking glove, and then he started to put those little stones in. Right? But he wields his strength. Well, how do we wield this strength? How do we have access to this strength that is what that Paul is saying that is available to us? This, this strength that is in our inner being, inner being. And I believe the answer comes from the next part of this passage. It says, "So that Christ." may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Another version says, then Christ will make his home in your heart. As you trust in him, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. I want to point out two words here, dwell and faith. Strength comes from Christ dwelling in your heart. That word dwell in the Greek is is, is not like dwell, it's just like go somewhere for a little bit. It means to like, Kind of like make a home. There's a permanence to this definition. That's why they say make a home in other versions. To settle. Make a home. God is said to dwell in the temple to be always present for the worshipers. Right? The strength for us to live a powerful life for Christ comes from, from Christ dwelling in our hearts and us trusting Him. It's a relationship and trust. We, we need to have relationship. To trust, there needs to be trust to have relationship. Who's been in a relationship before? Right? You, need to, you, need to, you need to trust somebody to be in a relationship, and you need to have a relationship for there to be trust. Trust and relationship goes hand in hand. And when we put our faith in Christ Jesus, we were brought into a relationship and that relationship helps to foster trust and faith in God. In marriage, we have to have both. In order for Mina and I to have a really meaningful relationship, she has to trust me. And I have to trust her. And in order for there to be trust, we have to do the things that, that keep her relationship going. Right? We will do the, the, the marriage thing. I got to be romantic. I got to say nice things. I got to to her. I gotta buy her things, right? I gotta like wake up early sometimes to take care of the kids. Right? These are things that I we have to do together so that we have a relationship and then we have trust. And that trust actually helps our relationship. It goes hand in hand. We are saved by grace through faith. That that's the start. And we are then called to live a life of faith following Jesus, and that requires relationship. That relationship increases the trust, the faith that we have in Christ. And in that place of relationship and trust, dwelling and faith, we start to truly see God, Jesus, and who he is in us. Allowing Jesus to remain in our hearts, allowing him to dwell in our hearts, to dwell in our hearts so that that we start to truly understand how much God truly loves us. Another way of saying dwell in this situation is worship. We worship Him. We stand before Him. And we remain in Him. We dwell in Him, and He dwells in us. It's prayer. It's the Word of God. It's praise. These are all access to His presence. These are all access to Him dwelling in us. Worship. We take our minds off of this world, and we set it on God, and we say that you are God, and you are worthy, and we worship. That's what Paul is talking about here. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, 
that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend. Here's that word strength again. With all the saints, what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's where the strength comes from. That strength doesn't come, it doesn't come from life. I know that some of you guys, we're, we're a pretty charismatic church, right? And I get prayer. I went to that conference, and Bobby Connor prayed for me, and I cried. I felt, and it was powerful, right? It really was powerful, right? But dude, it was funny, because I, this is just a side story, but like, he's like, or right, I want, I want to pray for everybody, right? And so I told Mina, we, our kids were like, we got to take care of our kids, too. They're sleeping. So I go like, all right, I'm going to go to the front, right? I'm going to get prayer first. I'll come back, and I'll relieve you, and you go get prayer, right? I ran to the front. I cut in line. I was like, get out, get off me. This girl like stood in front of me. I'm like, no, no. And I go second in line, right? And homie, homie actually walked all the way and he started this way. And then he started praying for this one girl and prayed for me. And I was like, ah, he prayed for me. I was like, ah. And then I was like, okay. And then I ran back to Mina. I want you to go get prayer, right? And then uh, and she got prayer. And then I was just waiting. And then our new Philly guys, we all, our, as a staff, we all got invited. I saw them porch too, like that. You know to the retreat, and then our staff was waiting. They were like a little modest, but they were waiting in the back to get prayer. And then uh, Holy Spirit was saying, stand behind them. I thought Holy Spirit was telling me, stand behind them, so I pray for them. But then, right when they finished praying for them, Bobby Carr came up to me again, and he was like, and he said something to me. I don't know what it was, and he rubbed, he, he prayed for me, and I felt, and I cried. Mina, said, Mina was kept make, making fun of me, because I cried for me. I cried for like 30 minutes. Right? I cried, and all of this all of these things that were like in my heart that like it's been messing with me for so long just started coming to the surface. The Holy Spirit was just like, ah, it was just, just. and Mina, I would cry. I'd be like, ah, and then Mina would be like, <laughs> and the girl next to her would be like, <laughs> and I'm like crying. I'm like, ah, I'm on the ground, I'm weeping, right? But those kind of experiences, hey, it it it, it helps you. Right? It, it, it lifts up your spirit. You hear from the Lord. But then you know where the strength comes for you to really live a life that's going to be like continually blessing the Lord and you blessing God? The, 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 the strength comes from the relationship that you have in your heart with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus. It's in the Word of God. It's in prayer. It's in getting, getting into this, this relationship where He dwells in us. That's what Paul is talking about. It's remaining in the Word of God and allowing His Word to speak to us. Some of you guys don't really know how much God loves you or you forget. And it's because you are not going into the source. It's the Bible. The Bible is all about how God loves us. It's about Jesus, right? The whole Bible is about who? About Jesus, right? And what is Jesus? He loves us. And His amazing love for us. It's, li- it's the living Word of God. This Bible is a living word of God. And like it's, it's, you're not like, it's not like a program that's talking to you. It's a living word of God telling you in every different way that imaginable about how God loves us. It's remaining in this word. Some of you don't feel the love of God. It's because you can't hear him. He speaks to you in prayer. Praying is speaking to God and listening to him. And let me tell you, he's speaking all the time. You guys think that you can only hear God once in a while. No, God is speaking to you all the time. Some of you don't feel his presence, and it's because you haven't praised him. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. Praise isn't for God, right? 
God is, he's not sitting up in here. He's like, praise me. Right? He's not sitting up in heaven. He's like, I need your praise. No. Right? You're not like a WWE wrestler. Right? Like, come on. And that's not him. The reason why praise was even invented was what? For us. Because when we praise him and we connect with him, we change. Because he inhabits our praises. He inhabits. He's like, we're like, oh, God, you're so amazing. He's like, I know. It is how much I love you. And we're like, oh, we get transformed in praise, right? And we, we start to know how much his, his great love is for us. As Jesus dwells in our hearts and we begin to trust him more and more, in every area of our lives, we start to experience his true love. And this understanding of just how much God loves us and how much he is for us, just how far he's willing to go to be with us, it changes everything in us. Or at least it should. When this becomes our reality, not just, not just like a thought, but it actually becomes real in faith because we truly believe, it strengthens us in the way... And that we start to believe that we truly can do all things through Christ Jesus. Because when we start to really believe, like, everybody will tell me, Jesus loves you. And I'd be like, when I was when I was young, I'd be like, oh, yeah, he loves you. I would tell people Jesus loves you all the time. Like, well, we go evangelize it. I'd be like, I'd be kind of shy. I'd be like, oh, Jesus loves you. And like, I don't know. Move on. But God loves you, right? But when you actually start to believe, when you realize and understand, wow. God really loves me. God, and you understand the love of God. Not like how much you love God, but how much God truly loves you. You get strength. <laughs> in that passage in Philippians, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That passage in Philippians is often used out of context. People use it like when they win the NBA championship. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But the true context of that passage, it says, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstances. I, I've learned a secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens Paul's talking about not just a strength that comes when you're doing good. When We love Steph Curry here, right? Everybody loves, loves I don't like him. He's a Christian. He has all, do all things through Christ on his shoes, right? But he can say that when he's winning, right? But yeah, well, what if what if you're like the Lakers and you suck, right? No matter how many first round draft picks we get, right? We are like, well, 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 you can do all things through Christ when things are good. I can say that when I win the Oscar. I can say that you know when when we when we succeed. But what if when everything around you sucks? When everything around you is like dookie, dude. When you're like you're trying everything and they're like no. You apply for every job and they're like, no. Right? You try to apply for every school and they're like, I don't think so, right? Right? You, you ask all these girls to marry you and they're like, no. You get fired from your job. Somebody steals from you. You, you get sick. Your family member gets, gets sick. Right? You, things in your life start to crumble. Can you say, I could do all things in Christ with somebody? That's what the context of that, that passage is. Whether you're high or low, whether you are in plenty or lack, whether whether your circumstances are good, you're raising that trophy, or, or your circumstances suck. But that's where the strength comes from, guys. You guys understand? Paul is saying this. is That, that strength, that where I could say, I could do all things through Christ who strengthens that strength, it comes. 
not from my strength, but it comes from God. And it comes from this relationship that he has in his heart. He knows that God loves him so much. That's why when he gets beaten, when he gets whipped, when he gets left for dead, he can get up and say, you know, I'm going to go on. In all circumstances. This comes from understanding just how wide, how long, how high, how deep is his love. And this changes everything. And he's saying, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. There is a strength that comes from this. It says, perfect love casts out fear, and all of the things that come from fear. You know what happens when you remove fear from people? What do you get when you remove fear from people? You get power from people. People that have fear, they're not powerful. You're living with fear. You know, I'm not about to do that. They set li- limits for themselves. Like, I can't do that. I can't go there. I can't talk to that person. I can't. I, no, I'm just gonna sit here and do what I'm what I'm capable of doing based on my own strength and my understanding, right? But when you remove fear, right? And that, and then the Bible says, how does that fear get removed? Do we just get really courageous, like ah, super saiyan? Oh, no. Right? How, do, how does we remove that fear? It's perfect love. Perfect love casts out fear. When, per, when you understand God's perfect love and you no longer have fear, you become a powerful person. I think there's strength in this. There's strength in you understanding just how much God loves you. And then Paul ends his passage with the awesome sentence. He says, Now to me, who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power that work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. He has, he has this phrase, far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think. Far more abundantly. It's not like just abundantly. It's like far more abundantly. Not just far. It's like Far more abundantly. It's like more than, more than, more than we could ever possibly ask for. Right? It's not even like what we can ask for because when we can ask for something, we actually can comprehend it. It's like not even what we can ask for, but what we can't even think. Like we can't even imagine what God can do through us when we are completely sold out for Him, when we truly understand the love of God. God is saying, You are not going to even be able to imagine what I can do with you in you, through you, through the power of the Holy Spirit that is within you. It comes through understanding and comprehending how much God loves us. That love can only come through relationship with Christ dwelling in our hearts, producing true faith. Church, we are called to live extraordinary lives for Christ. We are called to be different than the world to go against the ways of the world. We are called to save souls and rage war against the devil. We are called to preach and, and teach the gospel and live lives worthy of the gospel. And let me tell you, this is not going to be easy. I talked about a nominal life earlier. Nominal is like surface level, very just like a basic. But no, Jesus did not die for basic. That's why he, he knows each of us. God knows each of us, every aspect of ourselves, because he made us very 
like distinct. There's no other Molly in all of the universe in time and space. There has never been a Molly since Adam. And then when Jesus comes back, there's how many Mollies in all of the universe? And there is only one way Molly can truly live out her life to glorify God. How many Claire's and how many Caleb's and how many? And what's your name? Sam. How many Sam's? I know a lot of Sam's, but how many Sam? What's your last name? Sam Ha. How many Sam Ha? Where are you from? Maryland. Oh, my wife's from Maryland. Yeah. She's inside right now. How many Sam Ha's from Maryland with glasses that's standing here is going to be there in all of time and space from the beginning of creation to when Jesus comes in? How many? One. And how many ways are there, is there for Sam Ha from Maryland that's sitting here? How many ways is there for him to glorify God? There's only one way. He is completely and utterly knows that Jesus Christ is real and is alive and is in him. That's why God, he's like, man, I don't just want nominal, right? Because you know what? You know who can do nominal? Computers can do nominal things. Animals. But, But he made us human. He gave us choice, free will. And there's only one way that we can glorify God, the way that we are created to do. That's why. He said, you will never imagine what I can do with your life when you completely know how much I love you. But it's not going to be easy. The strength that we are supposed to use to experience this is not within us. It's in Christ. It's in understanding how wide, how long, how high, how deep is his love. It's doing what Jesus called for us to do in John 15:4. Remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Some of you guys feel like this sometimes. I feel like this sometimes. I feel like I'm I'm not connected to the vine. I feel like whatever I do, I I can't do nothing. But I want to encourage you today, if you feel far from God, you don't have to do a whole bunch of stuff to get right with him to approach him. He is closer to you than you think. It says in Psalms 34:18, he is close to the brokenhearted. And what happened, the, 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 the father in the, the parable of the prodigal son, right? what did the father do? Did he wait until his son came and stood before him? What was he? he was looking. He's like, every day he said he woke up and he was looking at him. What is that? Oh, that's a, that's a cow. And he look at him. He's like, ah, that's a camel. And he look at one day. He's like, oh, wait, who's that dirty man walking this way? Oh, dang, that's my son. And then he gets hit. He what is it? You know, like like men in Jewish culture back then, like real like dignified men with the tassels on the bottom. They were not supposed to run. They were not supposed to show their ankles. But this dude starts start running. He runs to the sun and he hugs him, puts a ring on his finger. He's like, bring him a robe and, and, and kill a fatty calf. And my son has returned. Right? That's the heart of God. You don't have to, you don't have to get all right. You know, put on your Sunday best to approach God. You just have to turn to God and say, repent. Repent means not sinning. Repent means turning to God. You know that? 
important difference between repentance and people tell you. Repentance means to not sin. No. Repentance means to turn from sin and facing Jesus. Facing Jesus and saying, Jesus, I need you. The Bible says we can approach him with confidence and boldness. In Hebrews it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I love this passage. It's like when you have sucked for God, when you have, like, when I have been, like, just all, like, you know, there's days where at the end of the week I'll be like, oh, I haven't read my Bible. All I've been doing is watching Netflix for a couple of days. And I've been like, oh, God, like, like my heart feels far from you. And I read this, and he's like, I could approach God with confidence. and be like, ta-da, God, look what I've done. And he said, what? He loves us. He's for us. That we could approach him with confidence. Why? Because it's all about mercy. So we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And sometimes you may feel like this. Sometimes you may feel apart from the vine. You may be apart from the branch. You feel like, oh God, I feel so far from you. And you it only takes a second. You always just turn to God and say, God, I need you. I need you. I need your presence. It's repenting and turning to Him. There's power and strength in falling in love. When you fall in love, you get energized. You feel like you conquer the world. Yeah. This dude knows right here. Yeah. When you fall in love, I remember when I fell in love with Mina, I thought I, I was like, I could do anything. I was like, man, I, I don't, like, you're going to go to Bangladesh and lead a mission team. That's all good. Like, do you know how hot it is in Bangladesh? It's all good. Everybody's going to like Malaysia and the Philippines where they get to play on the beaches. You're going to the hottest country in the world. All good. Bangladesh. I, could, I felt like I could do anything, right? You get energized. And there is power and strength. when you Strength that we can't even imagine available to us when we fall in love with Jesus. Not so much about how we can love him, but how much he loves us. There's strength in that. I want you guys to draw from that strength. I want you to draw from that place where you love God, and then your boss says, you know what? I don't think you're doing that right. And I think you should do that this way. And you'd be like, oh, it's all good. Thank you for that criticism. I received that with joy. I have a strength that is beyond because you know what? God loves me. You know what I mean? That's the strength that I'm talking about. We, you know, I need to exercise. I need to get stronger. But more than that, dude, we need to get strong in our spirit. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this word. I pray that every one of us, that we will be strengthened. Like Paul prays for us, that we will be strengthened through the power of the Holy Spirit within our inner man. That not just our physical being, our flesh, and the way that we see this world, but the spirit man that is within us will know and understand how strong we are when we comprehend with our spirit just how much you love us, how much you are for us, that you are not against us, that you love us so much that you sent your son to die on the cross for us. So, Lord, I pray for this revelation. I pray for this truth to go deep and help us to be transformed, like you said, transformed by the renewal of our mind. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray.